but people are touching each other all the time. Okay. If you look at him during the surgery scene... He's just sweaty! Yes, and that's one of the indicators that you're infected is super sweating. He's wearing gloves, and he, everyone on this ship is sweaty all the time. I, all the time. No, I think the sweating was, again, another indication. No, 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 no. Yeah, He I was sweaty, like it was. because Chapel didn't get it until she got touched, Riley touched by her. Riley on yeah. the face. And then she got the... I, I can't even... Rattlesnake noise. Rattlesnake noise. It's such a good... Oh, that's good, Kim. Should I just point to you when I want that sound effect? Yes. Thank you, Kim. <laughs> so, McCoy doesn't get it. McCoy doesn't get it. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. I no, feel he, like he does, does not. He, he does. never does. He touches at least one person, and yeah. we don't hear the noise. But, but, here's the thing. Sulu touched Uhura when he was dripping with sweat. Not on bare skin, She though. doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. She Her hands grab his abs, which, respect, ma'am. <laughs> respect. Yes. She grabs his abs. She doesn't get space drunk. Kirk doesn't get it even though he wrestles through. No, Kirk like, was space drunk which was the whole thing. He eventually gets yes, it. and this is us seeing space drunk manifesting differently in different people. Which was okay. stupid. That part was stupid, I will admit. That but part was no stupid. But there's no science involved. Like, of course, usually... Look, this is this is how I feel about most episodes of the original series. This didn't make any sense. It absolutely made zero sense. But this was enjoyable nonsense. Can, can we just tentatively grant the premise so we can actually say what the episode's about? No, please. I have more things to talk about. Because we're like about. five minutes in and we haven't actually talked about the I don't care. We'll get yet. there. We'll get there. So, okay, this is the fourth episode of a series. I have a question to start off. Is this the right place for this episode where everyone's out of character? We've seen three previous episodes. We yeah. don't know what their character I, is. I will, I will grant you that it's not the appropriate place in the season for an episode. But this is also Star Trek. And nothing about Star Trek is in the appropriate place for not where it should be. Nothing in the first season was aired in the correct order anyways. So I don't think no the idea. order of this would have helped. I feel like this would have been a really fun second season or third season This one. would have been... I, think, I, I will grant you that. It would have been fantastic like, later in the first season. Once they've actually introduced... Because, I mean, this is also the first episode where we get Nurse Chapel introduced to us. So yeah, I, think yeah. I think it's worth yeah. everything just for the fact that Majel Barrett came back. Does not an episode make. <sighs> She's in plenty of other episodes where I, I would argue she is much more interesting and much more active. I think this episode, if you're watching it in the 1960s and you're this is the first time you're watching it, much as with every other episode we have seen so far, you're going to be sitting there going, what the fuck is going on and why am I devoting an hour of my life to this? Now, when we are in the mid-aughts, and we're re-watching this, and we know what's going on, this is delightful. <laughs> I will give it to you that Star Trek, and during that time, it was much more episodic. You weren't trying to do, like, a long loop of storytelling. But I feel like this is such a weird... And I thought the same thing when I watched it on The Next Generation, is, what the hell is this episode doing here? I get that you're trying to do an homage to an older episode. Yeah. But it, to me, this only works if you know the characters enough that you really want to see them cut loose a little. Okay, that part I will grant you. And if you eliminate that portion, if you pretend that you know the characters, which we do, okay, I will grant you that premise. I will say yes, that actually, like, I agree with that. But I'm not watching that like this. <laughs> Apparently not. So let's start at the very beginning. Yes. Um, it's a very good place to start. With the red decal on the Enterprise. <laughs> it looks like a 15-year-old boy got his first truck and is like, I gotta soup this up with some red slashes on the side. It looks silly. <laughs> I say. did not notice. Really? That was like the first thing. I was like, well, making a point of that. And uh, Spock and some guy, you want to call him Joe? Joey. Joey. 
Joey Fatone. I didn't know what his name was for like the first 20 minutes of the episode. But we don't actually get his name right away, so. No, important. He's. He doesn't last very long. Nope. Joey Fatone. Joey, yes. Joey Fatone. Uh, according to our age, which we just had the conversation, did not know that that was a member of NSYNC. They all look the same. No, they, they all had different not. names. I never knew the names in the first place, so that really doesn't help me. Anyways, Joey Fatone and Spock beam down on frozen wasteland planet, which is apparently... And here's where my science gets a little sketchy. The planet is going to shrink and rip apart? Yes. Um, I was actually paying attention, so I know what's happening. Their yes. sun is dead, so the world is dying and it's going to explode because they have no heat. That's what I took well, from Well, that's, that's already happened. It's like, it's, it's compressing and ripping itself. Gravity, handwaves. Well, of course anyway, it's nonsense. I feel like Neil deGrasse Tyson in the back of my head was going, no! Actually, like in a more manly Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you way. would like to uh, chip in here, no. you are welcome to do so. But anyway, maybe like space sassy reasons. eyebrow? No. Okay. The planet is okay. ripping itself apart. When they land on this planet, may I just say that their bright orange <laughs> hazard <laughs> jumpsuits <laughs> are amazing. 70s boudoir biohazard oh, they're, <laughs> they're fantastic. They're fluorescent. Mm. They're rubber. Mm. They're awkward. Mm. And the helmets don't attach to anything. They're just no. hoods with gaping open necks. <laughs> I particularly enjoyed the gold lace patterning on yes, top the of the orange rubber. Kim, I would contend they are not made of rubber. They are just fabric. Oh, they're beautiful. They, they are, are just fabric. Fancy. They look like they were supposed to be rubber, but they weren't, and they were they were brilliant. It was probably oh, yeah. my favorite piece of costuming we have had they used so it a far. Bunch of times, and every single time I remember looking at it going, that does not appear to be secure. It would not look out of place at Studio 54, let's just no, say that. No, it, it's just, it's supposed to be a hazard suit of some kind. That doesn't protect you against no. much, because your neck. <laughs> Gaping open neck holes. I loved it. it Definitely brilliant. sneak in here, disease, please. And then oh. Spock takes what is a projector and a Pringles can and starts pointing <laughs> it around. around this frozen way Of which... There are mannequins scattered all over. But so they're, they're dead mannequins. So their their supposed purpose for coming to this planet was to a monitor the breakup. What's it called? Psi two thousand. Yeah, okay. the, this planet. And they're here to retrieve a science team that was here, I suppose, on a longer term basis, monitoring the breakup. <laughs> of Whatever. Okay. In my opinion, I've been a crappy assignment. If I'm monitoring the breakup of a planet that is about to shred itself into space, I'm not going to be on the surface of the planet. Mm. Uh, to be fair, though, you'd get a really good view of the surface ripping itself apart from the surface. You wouldn't. You'd get, like, the square footage that you can see. Well, plus I feel like then, you know, your equipment would get also ripped apart when the planet did, so this seems like a terrible planet. What if Bob, office intern, made a miscalculation? Yeah. And you accidentally were saying this is this is start this is the everything that drives me insane about Star Trek is nothing makes sense. This is a completely batshit, unusable plan. But I love it in this case. Okay, but again, harking back to next generation, they do this all the time where they show up to some kind of planetary science phenomena to show up and then bad things happen. Yes, and you know in every single one of those dangerous. But you know in every single one of those episodes, the enterprise isn't gonna explode. This reminds me of no one's gonna die. That's my problem with this episode. This reminds me this episode reminds me very much of that um was it field school tweets hashtag where it's about uh, weird things happening to archaeology students in field school, like, didn't get eaten by a jaguar today was a close thing. Reminds me very much of this. Now I feel like Ari who doesn't know who NSYNC is. We need to spend more time on Twitter. Except in this case, they beam down to what should be a uh, little science station full of alive people, and what they find is a freezer full of dead people. 
Yeah, this one, it sucks. It yeah. does, which is why we're trying to get off of it. Uh, agreed. My, in big cap letters is, who teaches, who teaches contagion at Starfleet? Yeah, I've got written, <laughs> who trained you? Yes. <laughs> so, Joey Fatone is trying to scan or scrape, or he's trying to do a science thing, and, oh, what, what, I can't reach it, what should I do? I should definitely take off my hazmat glove. Rule number one, always gloves. I wrote, don't take off your protective gear, dumbass. <laughs> Apparently, it is just for show. And if that's not stupid enough. Then he, like, rubs up against everything with that hand. And then he touches his face with his naked, contagion-covered hand. Well, what? there's some kind of weird, I want to say it looks like blood that defies Mysterious gravity. Mysterious orange kind of like, And it was a weird orange color. Towards it was orangey or red? It was like a toxic color. Yeah. It looked like that. It was an evil goose. color. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. got his hand on the side side of this ice-encrusted console about a foot away from a dead body that they don't know why There are, died. what, nine, eight dead people on this? Eight, eight, eight or nine? There's like a More than one is that I would go, oh, I'm just gonna tuck in this uh, hood yeah. thing into the I rest of my hazmat outfit. Tape, which is what they do in real life, by the way. Uh, yeah, but I'm definitely gonna take off my glove and, like, rub my hands all over the console and the dead bodies <laughs> and whatever. Um, so... Maybe lick some stuff while I'm at it <laughs> to make out oh with the console. And so Spock calls up to the ship and says, Everyone's dead! It's like nothing that we've dealt with before! In the previous three episodes. He yeah. also says, uh, we should expose ourselves to nothing. <laughs> and I wrote, should be a given? <laughs> I really enjoyed that the guy like puts his glove back yeah. on. Yeah, right what's the point? Right, right what's the point? Like, we don't get in trouble. Okay, bad news, Joy. Yes, you're already Cam. in trouble. Call back or call forward note or whatever you want to say. Yes. Um, note in this portion, Spock mentions several times that somebody was in the shower with their clothes on. Yeah, and he's like really forceful about talking about that, but it never actually comes up again for the rest of the episode. Yes. That is a they use that as a callback in Next Generation. It's the number one reason yeah. I can remember. Yeah, yeah, and they like they, you see them at some point. They like open a shower and some guy comes frozen out dead in his clothes. And I think it's I think it's a catalyst, like I yeah. said, for remembering. Like, right. yeah. I mean, there's some really weird things in this episode, but of all of the weird ways that people died on this terrible, shitty, frozen planet, that is the least weird of all of them. It really is, and I find it odd that no one in the history of all the planets in all the world century. has ever taken a shower with their clothes on. I'm almost done it. Apparently, 23rd century social mores are very different from ours. Definitely take your clothes like, off. It's just yeah. uh, even even without knowing about the the next gen episode, hearing that like Spock was so was like he said it like two or three times. Yeah, yeah. in the shower with his clothes on. It was like crazy. And, and it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the episode. And I'm like, it's such a specific detail to be throwaway. Okay, especially since jumping forward a bit. Is that Spock and Kirk reason out that this makes people do, like, act out their hidden desires. So this guy's <laughs> saddest hidden desire ever <laughs> Maybe was to take a shower with clothes on. With speaking of which, I have almost done. Maybe so... he was really cold and he just wanted to be warm, finally. So he showered with his clothes that on. That was his hidden desire? I don't know his life. <laughs> anyway. So everybody's dead. Everyone's dead. Um, some people actually killed each other, and then ultimately Nod. they like turned off the environmental c controls, and the shitty frozen planet rushed in and killed them all. Yeah. So uh, they call back Kirk. All they have uh, about this scene on the bridge is that Kirk has really nice boots. Not Science important. party all dead. Wasn't important. No, not important at all. So they beam back uh, Spock and Joy Fatone, and 
Spock is like, wait! Oh yeah, this guy's this series still the dumbest hazmat suit wearing person in the history of television. Why don't they burn those suits? Anyways, he's like, wait, we need to decontaminate ourselves. Because this guy tries to step off the pad before doing that. <laughs> How we ever made it out of, like, off our own planet is a mystery. It's a fucking mystery. I really also like this scene because, uh, I liked, first off, I like the fact that they were actually showing them decontaminating because you don't get that. Through lights. Yeah. So it was there like, was a laser light show. It was show. like a sterilization field or something. You don't really oh, get they that. They mentioned that a bunch of other times later, yeah. Yeah, but you don't really get that a lot in the other, ep- in the other series, except... In Enterprise, in the first episode, where there is a scene where there people are like coming back from an alien planet and sterilizing, and that just takes the form of sexy massage. <laughs> <laughs> because it would. Actually, I like this because it was much more reasonable. This should be protocol all the time. I feel like when you go is. onto an alien planet, you should be in your hazmat. Well, they mentioned you in, should always decontaminate yourself. In Next Gen, a couple of times, like they don't wear hazmat suits very often but um, they should but the transporters in, in next gen this gets mentioned explicitly at least twice that i can remember is that the transporter as a matter of course runs them through decom tan before it rematerializes them the biofilters yes the biofilters ah, which i don't think they mentioned in original guys. series but yeah i feel like a giant star trek nerd today you really should well, you you're in the right place it and so then they are sent to the doctor to kind of look them over. And Spock and Joey Fatone lounge around amazing. in really well-fitting t-shirts. Very tight black all around. Oh, yes. yeah. Very, like, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. Yes. Spock was really working that t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one seems to notice, hey, Joey is acting kind of weird. And rubbing himself all over. And then going into a couple like i'd say a Weird. page soliloquy about how fatalism. men are not meant to be in space um at which point i wrote the note where is the ship psychologist yeah this ship really needs a counselor didn't she turn into a god in the last episode technically she was not the ship psychologist she was the visiting psychologist okay fine maybe psychiatrist, psychiatrist okay. yeah she was a psychiatrist mm-hmm. nonetheless someone should ping that as a definite conversation that needs to be have about joey's mental health state yes um, there was a line here that I wanted to talk about because it sprung out at me. Um, somebody says when they're talking about the people on the planet, they were sitting around like they didn't care. Mm-hmm. And I got massive flash forwards to the Firefly movie Serenity, oh. and I got shades oh. of Miranda. Ooh. And this whole thing struck me as like it's this thing that infects them, and some of them just sort of give up and stay there, and some of them go a little bit bonkers. Are you oh, saying right. that the entire Firefly slash Serenity mythos is based on the Nakey time? <laughs> <laughs> the Reavers, actually, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It I just never kinda, thought of that before. Yeah, it kind of just jumped out and but slapped yeah, me in the face. Because there's a whole bit in the next gen one about how it seems to be, it seems to depend on the extremes of each person's personality. That, yeah, some of them lie down, some of them won't lie down. Well, yeah. uh, and further, like, when Joey is sent goes into the hospital bones's prognosis is he just didn't want to live yeah yeah he just lay down and die damn cam Joey, i know while he is damn. doing this isn't that cool like uh, I, yeah. I just like i just like it's, it's so, so cool to see how like the like how sci-fi has influenced like different things throughout the years and like how the same themes keep coming up and mm-hmm. stuff and i just loved it i thought it was a cool cool little thing inside of the episode to kim my Thank mind's you. kind of blown. Yeah, I don't know where to go from those. Except I have, in quotation marks, Space Madness. I have, I know exactly where we can go from this because it's written in, like, 
17 million point underlined with 16 exclamation points. Nurse Chapel walked in yeah. and I freaking lost my mind because Christine Chapel is a babe. I love her. She's awesome. I was really, really, really glad to see Christine Chapel. Her hair is nonsense. Her hair is nonsense, the but so is career. Janet Rands. Both of their hairs are nonsense. Yes. Um, she is. But when we get to the part where I kind of lose it with her, we'll get there. We'll get there. Also, by the way, during this weird little, right before Chapel comes in, we still have Joey doing his weird little existential soliloquy about how we don't belong in space. He's like, six people dead. And I wrote, bitch, more than that died in the first ten minutes of the last episode. <laughs> Maybe have we should some just perspective. stay home. But there is a bit about, a little bit about the tricorders is that they can only look for things that they know. At the staff meeting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that. They're watching the video that they took down on the planet. Yeah. Which is. A whole bunch uh, of dead people. Yeah. This is an exciting home video. Greatest staff meeting ever. But they're talking about the possibility that something like killed them or that there is some kind of disease, which everyone is actually pretty much on their A game. But Spock is saying, you know, the, the oh, I really like this. Space contains infinite unknowns. Yeah. Yeah, that was beautiful. Oh, it's a great line. But also, tricorders are then useless on unknown planets. Well, it's just that there are always going to be things that they can't account for, and so the tools don't know how to register. It is pointless. At this point, <laughs> there comes to my notes a thing with an exclamation point that just says, Space cheese. I think I am referring to the weird blocks that they use. I think they're like storage discs. Is yeah, where I've come space down cheese. That. Because we follow Joey, who continues to have a weird day, and we see our first replicator, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. I mean... Or a food dispenser or I something? Th it might yeah. be a dispenser because we actually get a reference, what, two episodes? In Charlie X, they reference there actually being a cook, which suggests yeah, that there was an true. actual kitchen. So I think I wrote it down like, replicator? Dumbwaiter? Who knows? But it's still, it's a precursor to the replicator, because the idea that you could just take food out of a box in the wall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, in comes Sulu and Riley having a discussion about Sulu's okay. fencing discussion. I wrote, sword, exclamation point, rapier, exclamation point, flirting, all caps. <laughs> so much flirting. Clearly flirting. That's true. So apparently in kind of pre-production, they were talking with George Decay about, they couldn't decide, like, did they want a sword? Did they want a swashbuckling sword? They were leaning heavily on, like, a samurai sword. And he kind of sat them ground and said, by the 23rd century, should the God, we could move past this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, amazing. He has a rapier. It's amazing. Yeah. Yes. He's very, he's very specific about this. He's talking about how it tones muscles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we get to see later. We see that. And he's so proud. Gee, Joey Fatone is acting weird. So I think this is about the time we get our first rattlesnake noise. <laughs> God, that's good, Kim. That's so very good. good. And then Joe, Joey launches into this amazing monologue about space. We're a bunch of hypocrites. What are we doing out here anyways? And everyone else is like, dude, chill out. Or consider a business. To change of career. Change of career. And Joey um, completely flips out on them. We don't belong here. It's not ours. Cut shot to everyone else in this little lounge Going. who are non-pulsed. Non-pulsed. Non-plussed? Plus. Don't make me throw this in your face. They are non-pulsed. Okay. They have no pulse. It is as if they are the mannequins dead <laughs> on the planet. 
they might as well be carved out of marble. Yeah, I was thinking at this point, shouldn't somebody be maybe like calling security or being like, yo, Definitely somebody who starts not grabbing us. people? Yeah, yeah, I would have thought so. Oh, and then I wrote he threatens everybody with a butter knife. Oh yes, <laughs> a the really very dangerous, super butter knife. dangerous butter knife. And also himself with a butter knife. Yeah, because... Uh, Don't make me do this! Riley and Sulu sort of tackle him because he starts waving a knife around and then there's... Which is the, the struggle. extreme cause of him getting butter knifed in the okay. stomach. If they hadn't jumped on him, he well, never no. would have grazed himself. <laughs> I think he would have. Because not even... Because there is they... no, no knife wound. He is smothered in ketchup because there is no tear in his shirt for the knife to have gone in. That's why they it's used a face the butter knife, knife so they could wipe it along him. Swipe, 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 swipe. I was so upset about that because I think Riley is also slightly covered in blood. He has some on him because he was touching. Yeah, worst blood ever. But there is nowhere for the knife to have gone in, yet his shirt is lightly buttered with blood. I'm willing to let this go on space knife. No, it is a butter knife. All right, we have like ten of them. <laughs> if anyway. I stabbed you with one of them, you would oh, be can we have a practical demonstration? Yes, yes, Stab Ari with a butter knife. Stab Ari with a butter knife. I'm gonna just go ahead and veto that. Oh, yeah, as a plan. So Spock and Kirk are going through the records, and Spock very cheerfully, which is I actually liked this moment where Spock shows that he's an alien and shows that he a Vulcan when they're talking about this crummy planet that's gonna get ripped apart and die and Spock says wow it's just like Earth one day Earth is gonna die too in this really cheery sort of voice (laughs) one day everything you love will be gone (laughs) here I have written we're in deep shit and crazy disease maybe should move away from murder planet you know no. what? That's a solid point. No, 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 no. They'll be fine. I loved, like, the multiple times this episode. Scotty's like, nothing can go wrong. We just need we to... We We need to time this down to the very millisecond, and we need all of our engines to work perfectly. We need everyone working and working together to the team. Someone actually says something along the lines of, as long as you don't all go space crazy. <laughs> Good job, Scotty. Good job. Well, they should have knocked on wood, but there is no wood in space. So we go back to medical, which I have to say is one of the most annoying scenes in Star Trek thus far. The space surgery? Space surgery, because... Was that dude unconscious enough to be having surgery performed on him? I was pretty unconscious. No, he was, like, moaning and rolling around. Really? I did not notice He was, like, flipping back and forth, and he was not (laughs) unconscious enough for the surgery. Maybe in the future they only use local anesthetic for stab wounds. They are digging into grazes. (laughs) (laughs) Or that. Well, so, he does say it was not that severe. Okay, so I'm going to act this out, which is a little bit t- difficult for us to say, but I just need you to do it. Okay, Since Kim, none of us has been if you are a nurse chapel, you're dead, so make some moaning noises. Uh, oh, that's actually better than the actor involved. Okay, Kim, you're nurse chapel. Yep. Okay, so I've got Ari open. Yep. <laughs> I want you to hand me a thing. It's Okay, scene, it is darkness. Nurse chapel, thank you. I lean over to Ari, Ari moans. Uh, I'm going to put this thing in... Put this thing inside of her wound. What happens? Freaking light goes on! <laughs> Lasers. No, 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 Because it is the instruments themselves that he is using to operate on him. The the light. Hold on. Let me flick this light up and down so you can understand what it's like. Here, should you operate? Let me turn all the lights off. The lights just went out. All right. I'm pretty sure. Kim, hand me an instrument. Let's do a strobe light. Okay, I'm done with it. Light off. <laughs> Green. <laughs> 
I think you're getting irrationally angry about this, and I'm going to. I'm also going to say that I think having a localized light source that comes on just directly in the area where you're performing surgery would be very helpful and make it more easy to see. I think that makes perfect sense. Here's the thing: if it was a constant light, it would make perfect sense because you do need. Otherwise, your eyes are going. Rather than just be able to see everything at any point. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> I they, love the things that just make you irrationally angry. So then they start like <laughs> caulking his body. It looked like it looked like some kind of dental caulk. gun or vacuum laser. Yeah. I don't know. It actually does look a lot like that weird laser they use to dr- to harden fillings. Mm. The one that goes against your tooth. It's definitely caulking. Also, Bones was incredibly sweaty, and I don't think that was oh. hygienic. No. I'm because he was infected. He was yeah. not infected. Yes, he was. He displayed no Well, he starts forgetting things. Maybe he has no, no he secret yeah, he desires, no, he deep not. down desires. He's exactly really? what you see that... on the surface. Oh, he just wants man. to be a good doctor. He is the most tightly repressed person on that ship. And Except I'm, Spock. No, above Spock. Spock mm. gets laid at least a couple of times in this show. That's a good point. Bones, the only romantic affairs I think we ever get for Bones are ones that are over. And there are monsters. Or, and monsters. Or they're doomed. Mm. Or he's stuck pa- back in time in a cave. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for that one. So um, at this point, the planet, they, they, actually write, they actually say that it, it yanked at the ship. Some kind of gravity shift. Oh, this I love this part. I said they are caught in the planet's orbit, but the dude is distracted, and so Kirk had to push a button himself. Compensate? Compensate? Yeah, he's starting to get confused and space drunk. Uh, no, Riley and Sulu have the con. Con. Do the snake thing. Shh. Thank I you. Guess. They have the snake thing. And so <laughs> Sulu says he's sweating like a bridegroom. Oh my god, what was that line? <laughs> I thought about it. I'm like, well, I guess it's better than sweating like a bride. I it was guess. just such a bizarre It was reference. a very strange reference. Very, very strange. Strange thing to have on the tip of your tongue. Especially in, like, the future. Uh, yeah, but they have the space whammy, so they decide that they have other things to do other than pilot this ship. Yeah, um, we get a flashback to sick bay where they're still doing surgery and he's not doing too good and bone says this shouldn't be happening the wounds aren't this severe because basically he's dying he just didn't want to live okay that is the stupidest death pronouncement after the one in star wars where she died of a broken heart (laughs) oh yeah spoilers for uh star Star Wars. wars didn't mention which character it doesn't matter None of it means anything. At which point Kirk is like, coincidence? No. No, it is not a coincidence. It is the opposite of a coincidence. So uh, Riley, which I have written down as Sulu's crush, but, you know, uh, says, you know what? I'm all stressed out. I'm just going to fuck off, abandon my post, and go to the gym. Okay. Here's the deal. Nobody notices that both of the pilots just dicked off. I like how Sulu was all like, no, it's fine. No one will notice. And he just gets up and like saunters out. It was amazing. See, now there's the theory of they are both space drunk. Yeah, they are space drunk. Yeah, Yeah, but that's not what the disease does. Well, it kind of is. They say a couple of times it almost behaves like alcohol, but it's not exactly like It doesn't matter. The most important thing is that Uhura gets to drive. Yes. 
Yes, I love that. I was so excited. It was was it Kirk was just like Ahura, take the con. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's uh, Spock because Spock, oh, Spock Spock notices right. Sulu's missing. Um, sends Riley, who's still there and super drunk, off to sick bay. And he no, says, and then he calls security. Why not call security to haul his ass to sick bay? This is, I think, it's to make sure that he gets there, which he does not. No. Which no, certainly well, not right he away. He gets there he eventually, and then leaves. Yeah, because then he gets to sick bay. And uh, he, he gets a sigma inappropriately hits on Chapel and leaves hey. after Irish stereotyping his way around yeah. the ship a little bit first. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I, I, yeah, he essentially turns into a Victorian stereotype and Irish chimney sweep. Yeah. <laughs> but also, there's like Kirk is running all around the ship this episode mm-hmm. to sickbay, back to the bridge. Come over here and tell me this thing. They have an intercom system that goes from person to person. Why not just yeah. contact and them before, that way? And up until, for at least for a few more minutes, they still have control of it. So I'm not really sure why they're not using it. Because Kirk doesn't make good decisions. This has nothing to do with Kirk. This is Spock. Oh. Spock has something to tell him. He's like, Kirk, come to the bridge. Oh, right. I'll just... Can't you just tell me now since we're already talking? <laughs> Can't you just tell me over this intercom? This specific person-to-person person intercom? Talking on? And then, uh, so Riley wanders into sickbay, gets chapel infected, and then wanders out again. And then we come to my favorite part of this episode. I, I'm sorry, my second favorite part. Of, well, no, equal I favorite part of this episode. Captioned this in my notes: the greatest moment in Trek history. <laughs> I do not disagree with you. Yeah, this I'm, is. I'm up there with you. I think I, I would honestly say this is probably my top moment of anything that has ever happened in any of the five series of Star Trek. And what is happening, if you guys are Sorry, not what? clear. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Is Hikaru Sulu appears around a corner, shirtless, sweaty, gleaming, and waving a sword. He just sort of, like, leaps out. Ha ha! It's amazing! He is, by the way, LARPing the Three Musketeers while he is space drunk rapiering <laughs> oh, around the Enterprise. Rishkyu beware! He's it's amazing. He is very smooth. Yes. Like, very smooth. Like, yeah. wax. He's clearly yeah, been spending a lot of time in the gym, it. also, <laughs> while not right. space drunk and abandoning his post, so Also good stroking job. his rapier. Yeah, <laughs> like, firm steel. It was yes, amazing. Yes, yes. It was, I'm sorry. It's amazing it's on all amazing. I, Perfect moment. Yeah. And he amazing. is waving his sword. <laughs> in the face of these <laughs> in the face of these two guys who look non-pulse and I mean that again they look as if they have no pulse until he starts chasing them down the corridor laughing because it's hilarious <sighs> uh, back to the bridge and uh, this is the part where they're talking about how this disease or this whatever is bringing yeah. out hidden personality traits so it's almost Sulu- like he's drunk no, when when I am drunk or you are drunk, we do not pretend. I don't know what my darkest despair is. It's not always the darkest despair. No, sometimes it's just a thing it's you want to do. Your hidden personality trait. Well, I think the main thing that the, the disease has in common with drunkenness is that it destroys inhibitions. Yeah, it's an inhibition loosening. Okay, but here it is on their personnel file, which I can only assume that Spock's looking at to get this information. That Sulu has always wished that he was a swashbuckler. Which is incorrect. He wishes he was a musketeer. And that Riley thinks that he is the... I'm going to back away from the microphone from this because this is going to get loud. Descendant of Irish kings! What the hell is that? Well, so far it really just looks like they're living out their LARPing fantasies. Yeah. No. 
number of things wrong with that. But the second thing that comes wrong is that is that Riley essentially got everyone to walk out of engineering. Remember, yeah, yeah. harken back to that moment where like, yeah, better make sure that everything works perfectly. No margin of error here. Engine needs to be ready. Are they ready, Scotty? Ready. Definitely ready? Definitely ready. Nothing could possibly go wrong? Nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> and then Riley shows up and is like, you guys should all leave. Look over there! <laughs> very, very high-end strategy there from the drunken Irish stereotype guy. Hey, should we leave engineering abandoned? Sounds like a great idea. Let's all Absolutely. go to the bridge. That's why I hate this. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, uh, and see, I'm willing to... Like, normally when stuff, like, doesn't make any sense, this is why I hate this series I feel sometimes. like I'm you. I know, and I feel like I'm you. Well, this is depressing to watch. <laughs> We've just swapped personalities for the day. Because, like, I'm willing to forgive this episode everything because it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I wish you guys could see Crane's face right now. That's how I look every single week, I'm sure. It's true. It's kind of... Unsettling <laughs> from this vantage point. Um, back on the bridge, uh, they're uh, Uhura's still at the con because clearly they just can't let the dudes drive anymore. Um, and we get reports from security that Sue is chasing people around the ship with a sword. <laughs> and everyone sort of looks at each other and goes, I don't know how credible this is. I really couldn't. I can't decide. And the ship gives a big rock. Yes, a classic rock. A classic Star Trek bridge <laughs> rock. Um <laughs> And that's the moment at which we realize the navigation controls are dead. Ugh. Oh, shit. Boy. And then Sulu shows up on the bridge. And I think one of the I love best this bit too. So much. repartees oh, this was great. in Star Trek. Yeah. Where Sulu grabs Uhura, parentheses, somehow not transmitting the disease at all despite the fact that he is dripping with spit. What? He grabs her in the waist. let me redo that. <laughs> despite the fact that he is dripping in sweat. Mm-hmm. He grabs her around the waist. Her hands definitely touch them abs. Oh, yeah. They grabbed him. And says, I will protect you, fair maiden. And she looks utterly disgusted, and she says, sorry, sorry. neither. And then, like, frees herself to go back to work. It was amazing. <laughs> amazing. So great. And then Uhura, Spock, and Sulu do a sweaty, sweaty man wrestle, where we have the emergence of the Vulcan nerve pinch. Mm-hmm. Yes. First time. With uh. bare hands to bare skin, which... Maybe Vulcans can't catch this disease. Well, he Kim. does, though. Kim, he does. Oh, that's right. He does. He does. Well, okay, here's, oh. here's the thing that I want to go back and watch this at some point, because the the, the only times that we definitely see... How did you miss that? Yeah, the exchange is when it's hand-to-hand or hand-to-face. That's the only time we hear the noise, anyway. So maybe it doesn't work everywhere? It is clearly stated that it is transmitted. I think we can just assume that when people are touching each other, like groping chests, they're being. <laughs> then they're being infected. She definitely have. It. Maybe she's just so amazing that she is naturally immune. She doesn't get it. No, at least not visibly. Maybe she's just really resistant to it. No, because every time it's actually transmitted, we get the. Mm, so good, so good. At this point. Kevin Thomas Riley gives everyone on the ship double portions of ice cream. And then Spock says, oh, we're going to die. Well, what he actually does is he looks at the intercom and he just sighs. This big Vulcan sigh. So here's the thing. At this point, the episode definitely unravels for me because Spock is like, we got 19 minutes, but I'm going to sit here and tell you how many 19 minutes you have in excruciating detail and everything that you need to do, but you can't do. And then I'm going to go over here and distract this person who's trying to get their goddamn job done. Tell them that they have, oh, only 18 minutes, but definitely 17 minutes since I keep talking about it. Yeah. 
<laughs> and Scotty's excuse for leaving engineering totally abandoned yep. is that he said you wanted all of us on the bridge. Yeah, this was a cunning plan. You guys were definitely bested by a master. Okay, there is an intercom system to call people to the bridge, and yeah. Riley just saunters in saying, Hey, everybody! That Kirk was Mario. wants you that on a, the bridge! That was a great Dr. Mario. Okay. <laughs> I apparently revert to Italian stereotypes instead of Irish ones. Uhura is still being amazing, though. Yeah. Well, the thing that I got from this was that it was, like... It seems like a really bad idea to have your setup so that you can just automatically control everything from engineering and completely yeah, lock out the you. bridge. That yeah, it it does. is a bad system. That's There's cool also plan. an awful point where Spock is like, turn that shit off because Riley starts to sing one more time. Oh, God. Amazing impression, though, right? Yeah. I worked on it. Very impressive. And, and he says to her, turn that off. And she's like, I can't. And then he pushes her out of the way, takes a look, starts boobly booping. He's like, oh. You can't. You can't. As if you would know her job better than her. Did not like. Did not like. And the PA system, as we previously mentioned before, there is one, and it works perfectly because we can hear it. As Scotty is messing around in the Jeffries tube, you can hear Riley singing. singing yeah. He's singing into the intercom. So, okay. I think in, in the Jeffries tubes, I think that they're, he's actually above engineering. So he'd be able to hear it anyway. No excuse. They should have asked a couple more questions before abandoning the entirety of engineering. Yes, that was very stupid. Okay, so question. Was there something in here about a bowling alley? There is a bowling alley, yes. Why is there a bowling alley? Why is there anything on the USS why Enterprise, is there, Kim? Yep. Why is there a bowling alley and not a psychologist? Or an HR technician? <laughs> These are both excellent questions. Yeah, but... I think they have their priorities a little bit out of whack. <laughs> This episode is spiraling, like, wildly out of control, and it's like, we've also got, like, it's amazing, though. Much like the ship is sinking down into the gravity of the exploding planet, Kim! Oh, God! Your metaphor just, is perfect. At which point so there is a 12-year-old on the bridge. Actually, you know what? I just realized. Yeah. There was a 12-year-old? He looked like he was 12. What are you talking about? One of the child. Looks oh. really, really young. But yeah, I, I just realized that the, the crazier and more nonsensical this episode becomes, it is an awful lot like getting progressively drunker and drunker over the course of an evening. Definitely not. Anyway, so some guy starts laughing at a paintbrush. Yeah. That's how we know shit's going down. And there is the... <laughs> the sign scrawled across the wall, love mankind. Oh, we get to see Rand for about four seconds. Yeah, she's being... She's this just, is a very musical She's cast. trying to get shit done and get to the bridge. And this crazy drunk dude is blocking her way. He's serenading her. He's serenading There's her. There's a difference. Yeah. Um, she does not want any of this. Uh, and Spock is going around wasting interrupting people's people, time. basically. Yes. I actually wrote down Spock tells Scotty to hustle. <laughs> I wrote down Spock stop interrupting people in all caps. It's interesting because Yeoman Rand takes the helm. She's not infected. No. Neither is Ahura. The no. only woman that we see getting infected visible. is Nurse Chapel, and we're going to get to that and we're going to dig into that. So get ready. Mm-hmm. Um and. At this point, Kirk is like, can't you do something about this? And Laura yells yell back at him. She does yell back at him. Oh, we're so happy. And yeah. then he apologizes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I thought that was an amazing moment. I really mm -hmm. liked that. Really liked that. I don't know whether he, he was not technically affected by the disease because we see the point at which he becomes affected by the disease. Well, he, he, I think he says he knows he's beginning to get affected, but it isn't like completely totally no because there is yet. a moment when we see his transference and we get the snake noise oh yeah oh, so good kim i love it so much <laughs> so 
Now, so we follow Spock around as he wastes everyone's time oh gosh, as the ship so is spiraling into despair, and then he comes into sickbay and gets the whammy from Nurse Chapel, mm-hmm. who I... is stroking her thighs with intent. I have to say that I sympathize with Nurse Chapel here because I, too, harbor secret desires for Vulcans. They're attractive species. You cannot possibly be surprised by this, Kareem. In what way, Cam? They're hot. No can't. Vulcans are smoking. Bold haircuts. Yeah, and the pointy ears and the sweepy up eyebrows. I already knew this about Kim, so I am not shocked. Of all the species. In all the galaxy, <laughs> I want the Vulcans. Okay. <laughs> what? Who do you think is the sexiest race? Species. Species, whatever. Mm. That's a tough one. It's not Klingons. Nope. It's Vulcans! Shut up, no. It's definitely not the Vulcans. Bajorans are kind of annoying. They are a little sanctimonious. Betazoids are two into one. I like the Qs. That's only because you want oh. omniscient superpowers. Oh, no. I, I would be Q's girlfriend in a snap! Oh! <laughs> oh but no. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I feel like I get some pit, kind of medal for that. I will pit my Vulcans against your Qs. And, and they will lose. No, they will not. Vulcans are very attractive. Ari, what species? I'm not doing this. <laughs> Fine. But they're, okay, what happens now is an intensely awkward conversation. Oh, yeah. Where she starts off this interlude by saying, they treat women strangely on Vulcan, don't they? Which I assume is she's into some stuff. <laughs> I interpreted this as her just sort of not understanding how you can have a romantic relationship if you don't engage in emotions. Which probably seems really freaky and alarming from the human side. From my point of view, it's the time-worn story of women trying to go after and throw themselves on emotionally unavailable and closed-off men. And that is so sexy. Well, in this case, I suppose that is literally true. It is. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, but I could change you. You can't hurt me. Uh, and she is, I think, the first thus far in a long line of ladies throughout the series that throw themselves as far. Mostly just her. <laughs> she throws herself at yeah. him a lot. It's like it's a recurring frequent. theme through the thing is that she's into Spock. I, I believe that, though. Like, I know she's drunk and completely out of her mind, but I believe that. Like, when she says, I'm in love with you, Spock. I believe that. Especially given the evidence we get of it later. Because she's What still... does that mean for her to be in love with Spock, though? Like... She wants to marry him. She would like to feelings don't have to be reciprocated. She, oh, she definitely wants them. I know she wants them reciprocated, Mm -hmm. but his inability or unwillingness to reciprocate doesn't mean anything. But she could keep like in this conversation, like, oh, I know your human sides in there somewhere. Like you must feel things. I, it just that made me very uncomfortable. I don't know. I, I just kept thinking they're both going to be so excruciatingly embarrassed about this later. They don't remember it. No, they do. Because no, 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 no. Because when Sulu gets the hypospray of the serum, well, he's confused. He wakes he's, up and says, yeah. "Wasn't I on the bridge?" I don't think he remembers what happened. Well, they do though, because some of it they do talk about later. No, in the TNG episode, they definitely remember. Yeah, um, I don't think they remember it in the, this series. No, I would. I would be fine with saying that they they retcon the whole thing, and it's like the whole episode never happened. Although I want to note, as an aside here, because mostly what Chapel is doing is holding his hands mm-hmm. and Vulcans and hands. There can be touch telepaths, yeah. 
and that is an actual like legit Vulcan romantic like incredibly significant romantic gesture for Vulcans so this is even more gutting than otherwise it's tough and I thought Spock handled it very oh, well. Oh yeah, where he, he says, did. "I'm," and she says, "I love you just as you are." Which and he just keeps apologizing. She does it because she doesn't really see him. She sees him as a thing, a thing to be solved, a thing to be made to feel. Anyways, he says, "Sorry." <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa! Oh, and by the way, he's now affected. Oh yeah, yeah he has. Shh. He has the the snakes, and. He was walking down saying, I have emotions, but I'm in control of my emotions. I'm in control then he starts crying. Was yeah, this really was really upsetting, upsetting, this bit. Okay, like, incredibly so upsetting. factoid behind this is that it was supposed to be just, like, one line throwaway, and it's supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. But it was supposed to be when, funny? It was supposed to be funny. Like, <gasps> I'm in control of my emotions. Ha ha ha, the alien. But Leonard Nimoy did this unscripted, so improvised the entire thing in a single Oh, oh I love it. Oh, that was so good. So I think that's Amazing. a definitive moment of Vulcan of Vulcanness. Yeah, it was good. It was if incredible. we go back to it, is it was that really they, upsetting? They do feel emotions, but mm-hmm. they are constantly in control of them. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's the thing that's always people are always, I think, messing up and or in the show at least. That's what they're always misinterpreting about Vulcans is that it's Vulcans don't have emotions and it's not that's not what it is. It's that Vulcans are in control of their emotions. They process them very differently. They have them, but they attempt to suppress them and not feel them. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, and so and I mean that is the thing is when you do see Vulcans experiencing emotions in any of the series, it's all very, very intense. Mm. And usually means something is horribly wrong. Yeah. And this is this actually this scene I consider the like the, the, the genesis of Spock's main character angst as 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 half Vulcan half human mm-hmm. there's also I mean it also kind of puts me in mind and again this is one of the reasons I'm excited for you guys to watch Enterprise other than how much you're going to hate it yeah. is there's an episode where there's a whole crew of Vulcans who aren't pressing their emotions hmm. and they're just living living their Vulcan emotional lives and I don't remember how it worked because it was a stupid episode, but <laughs> it would be something interesting to look at when we're talking long term about mm-hmm. Vulcans and their their how they express and repress their emotions. Yeah, it was very affecting. Where he talks about his mother and how it must have been awful for her yeah. and how he was ashamed of her. Yeah, because she was human. Um, I actually think, brief aside, Vulcans and suppressing their emotions, and and you, sometimes you look at Vulcans and go, okay, but why? Why do they need to? And then you remember. They're really powerful telepaths. And we don't... Do we get... I don't know in Enterprise. Do we get a history of why they chose this path? Uh, or is uh, it left Was mostly... it the path to wisdom? Like, did they choose this they as were a warlike. decision? Yeah, yeah, they were warlike. And they are very strong. Yeah. yeah. There is... there In the final season of Enterprise, there is some stuff about... Sorak and the, the path to, you know, controlling the emotions, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember it very well because I thought the episode was stupid because it involved Archer far, far too much as so many Enterprise plotlines are wont to do. But again, there's stuff in there and it was, um, I remember this very well because I believe this was one of the plot lines that was written by Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens, who are novelists, hmm. and they hired them on for the last season of Enterprise to try and make it not garbage. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's like a there's like a two or three episode. Bring arc. in the fanfic writer. 
years. Hmm. Yeah, so there's a two or three episode arc that delves sort of into the the history in the beginning of Vulcan. Interesting. Because so, we yeah. get we get oblique references about Vulcan's warlike path and how this path like and they brought split them from the to... Romulans. Yeah, yeah. Romulans. Are and the like... only other like tidbit of Vulcan's warlike past is the next gen episode where Picard goes missing and the weapon. The Vulcan oh, yeah. telepathic weapon, which fed on negative and violent emotions, and the only way to defeat it was to be peaceful, to be, you know, good and calm. Was that the one where it starts out with uh, Beverly in, like, a raincoat? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. And everyone's, like, in the infiltrating 1950s. The, yeah, yeah, infiltrating the alien pub. And, in the cold war. Oh, that's where, yeah. oh, that's the one where Picard and Riker end up undercover on the same yeah. ship, and they have to pretend to hate each other. Oh, my yeah. God, that's so terrible. I love that episode. Yeah. Anyway, so, what? anyways, it's been way longer than 14 minutes. Spock sits down to have a, like, ten-minute soliloquy, at which point the ship blows up and crashes into I actually timed this, and when we had 19 minutes left, we were 24 minutes into the episode, and when they finally broke free of the gravity while they were about 45 minutes (laughs) into the episode. Wow. So, I don't actually know how that works out, because I didn't actually do the math, but I don't know, is that 19 minutes, or is that longer? I'm pretty sure it's not. It's not too far. It's pretty close. Nonetheless, it felt like an eternity. I also want to know, there's a bit, because they're trying to get into engineering, and they're having to burn a hole in the wall. And I'm like, why isn't there an access panel there already? Because it's a door. Early engineering. But, like, real-world engineering at this point had the ability to put fucking access panels in the walls next to doors or important things that this is cream. Or a doorknob. Or a doorknob. (laughs) But, like, later on, you see them opening panels and pulling manual overrides. It is not a complex or unique thing. It definitely existed in the 60s. There's a reason doorknobs are an enduring piece of technology. (laughs) Yes, because you can open doors with them. At which point Scotty says, you kind of changed the law of physics. Because they don't have enough time, because it turns out the rally just, like, shut off the engines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Turn them off completely, and apparently you cannot start uh, warp engines from cold, no. because antimatter explosions are no fun at all. It's antimatter meets the matter-matter, and right. they have to be warm, like, when you put... I've, I've been assuming... When you put hot water into a cold glass bottle, It'll so the explode. glass bottle is the ship. How much do you like that analogy? That's amazing. Ooh, Thank that's you. Great. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So, now is a good time for Kirk to do a diary entry. Oh, of course. I always feel like these are post-episode and he's giving the highlights of what happens. Some of them definitely are, but sometimes not obvious. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I don't know, I mean, I like, Captain's Logs are such a, they're such a thing in Next Generation, and mm-hmm. you get Picard narrating the episode, and blah. I don't know that I like Kirk's. They're very weird because the tense that he's using, and I usually pay attention, it seems like they're happening simultaneously as the episode unfolds because I think he uses the present tense. And it's like, why would you take, you've got nine minutes until a ship blows well, presumably up. Presumably he's not why doing take all the weird warp math. And the other he thing was. is that, He was! Well, he, no, no, he wasn't because he has, he says, I, I mean, he suggests this theoretical warp equation that's never been tried. And there's, the computer is broken or whatever, so he has to go find Spock to do it. And, and Spock, Spock is, of course, is hiding in the staff meeting room, crying, crying. and, like, losing his mind. And having and Kirk, mommy issues. And having mommy issues. And has to have, and Kirk has to, like, slap Which around. comes to my favorite part of the episode, when Kirk, is, <laughs> when Kirk essentially beats the crap out of Spock and tells well, him to man up. He slaps him a couple of times, and then Spock slaps him across the room. Again, And Spock's like, wait, I feel better now. <laughs> Yeah. I think slapping Kirk would make a lot of people feel better. <laughs> I feel better, and now I can do amazing maths. Yes. So, yeah. Bones has cured the disease because, okay. He's fixed Have him. a moment. 
the water changed into some complex molecules that are like alcohol and it got into the bloodstream. Does yeah. not bother to give this antidote to Nurse Chapel. Raise She's just you don't standing care. there doing her hair. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. sure he does that before he leaves the bridge. No. No, he does not. They all don't stand on the bridge. Hmm. So, anyways... Uh, Kirk gets the whammy and starts to talk about how the ship is the worst. Being yeah. captain is sad. Why can't I have sex with my yeoman? <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, actually, no, no, no. Here's the weird thing about this weird little this weird little thing mm-hmm. is that for like ninety percent of it, you're not sure if he's talking about Rand or, or the ship. sex with his ship. It she, could be either one. It could be either one. Yeah. She, flesh woman to touch and hold. No braid on my shoulder. Okay, she sounds like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Deeply sexy Yoda. And anyways, Uhura voice is like, hurry it up, Spock. What's your faces? I just heard Uhura still flawless. <laughs> yeah, like, she's the only one who seems to have a handle on things. Like, hey guys, uh, sorry to interrupt your We have like two minutes left please. before we crash into yeah. the planet. Do you think you guys could wrap up the man pain so we can stop the ship from crashing yeah. into a planet? Yeah, at this point it's basically on the bridge. It's Uhura and Ren, and they're both still basically fine. I'll never lose you. Yeah, it was about the ship. Never. At which point Kirk asked them to clear the hallways so that he could have his man walk of shame <laughs> down onto the bridge. He gets into the elevator. He steps off onto the bridge. And there's bones no, waiting no, no. for him. Important thing. In the elevator is the line, Sinners repent. Oh yeah, it's a uh, laughing paintbrush guy, I assume. What is he? He is no fun when he is drunk. He's like <laughs> no fun. Crazy religious he's guy when he's really drunk. drunk. He kind of veers between being a hippie where, love mankind, sinners repent. Yeah, yeah no fun at party. Mm-mm. Anyways, gets onto the bridge, I love steps bit. out of the elevator. This was amazing. <laughs> this was just for cream. This was possibly my favorite moment of Star Trek. Is where he steps, takes one captainly step forward, <laughs> staring stoically, jaw clenched, hands at his side, drunk out of his mind, tightly keep control of his emotions because he's the captain. Goddammit, the captain swings, takes a step forward, puts his hands on his shoulders in a supportive way, and then <gasps> surprise, rips his shirt. <laughs> Falls like butter down across his glistening muscles and shoves something hard into his Okay, now I'm getting uncomfortable. (laughs) It was. That was just as weird for us as it was for Oh no, that was beautiful. It was like accurate. It was an astounding moment of television. He just like ripped his shirt for no no particular reason. reason. No reason. Could have done it in the neck. Could have done it in the hand. I think this They've is done the, it through clothes a couple of times. Yeah, like I really think this is the part where Shatner's contract clause, that he yeah. must have some item of clothing ripped from his body yeah. every episode, started to kick in. Good and he's, by contract. the way, the shoulder has clearly been oiled. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, a note again, everyone is so sweaty. Mm-hmm. Even the people have been cured. And then he looks over at Yeoman Rand. No beach walk. <laughs> <laughs> Which... <laughs> I, I know what he's trying to say is that he's never going to be able to walk hand in hand down a beach with a flesh woman. <laughs> Does not rule out AIs, Kirk. You can try it with the ship. Give it time. I'm sure he It's only the I'm sure he and many other have. Absolutely. And then they engage. And then... Okay. There is noise? Yeah, there's apparently a very unpleasant noise because everyone sort of 
Because they cringes. essentially do like a bomb made out of math. They make the engines implode. I just said everyone was in distress. No, no, That's no. That's accurate. Kim, 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 Kim. All right, all right, all right, all right. Not everyone is in distress. Our main characters that have a close-up are everyone else on the bridge? Totally cool. <laughs> None. I did not notice that. 100% did. Sulu is looking around like it ain't no thing. Well, her is making a sort of a face. That's because she gets a close-up. She gets a close-up and Kirk gets a close-up. That's and, true. But everyone else... <laughs> and then, for no apparent reason... <laughs> My favorite, other favorite part of the episode. Hey, hey this one's baffling. <laughs> it had fallen apart before for me. But at this point, I was like, oh, were you just making this up as you went along? Yes! Did you just, like... Take a science fiction novel, throw it in a blender, turn that blender on, and then just like pour in a lot of vodka. Pour in a lot of vodka, and then like throw the slurry on a screen, move things around, and then whatever the words kind of spelled out, that's what you decided to go with on the day of shooting. You know how they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in drunk gravity destroying, you know, space planet. D- Disaster stays in the the, the. no, it does not. I love this. They go back in time for no reason because it has no place in this episode, and they never touch it. And they're just like, Oh, we'll be three days early for our next appointment. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Back this up, back it up three days in the past. Okay, you guys discovered the formula for time travel. (laughs) And again, to harken back to one of my favorite sizes, it ain't no thing. <laughs> so, so, so amazing. intriguing prospects. Yeah, whatever. I'm sorry. Someone should be cool. like jumping up and like popping their fists in the air going, fucking hell! Not only are we saying, we discovered time travel. Holy and it was shit, at that moment guys. that Back on Earth Section 51 was formed. <laughs> They went back in time three days. Or maybe they waited until the report, or maybe they used time travel to find out about it beforehand. I don't know. The question. Yep. Why didn't they go back to that planet to help those people? <laughs> because Kirk's a selfish dick. <laughs> I, I, they look like they've been dead a while. Anyway. I'm pretty sure they, they were, were doomed. frozen. Yeah, but I think oh. they've been dead for longer than that. I just think it was like it was a ridiculous episode, but it was so much fun, and the time travel ending was just the capper of a nonsense, and I loved it. It's I so loved it. I have no objection because this episode was completely batshit anyway. But, but it is. This is really, really random. random. Oh, so like, random. How long yes. Um. This is basically the method they use when they go back in time later. And they do reference this. When? They reference this equation when, when they go they back, back when they go back in time and end up on the Air Force base. And also in uh, Journey Home when they go back in time, they reference this uh They sling implosion. around the sun. They around the sun. Yeah. But they talk about the equation, like the the, the theoretical work. So they, they do mention the this again. The yeah. episode they go I can't remember when yeah, it is. It's probably a season later. No, they end up going back in time and they accidentally kidnap a 20th century Air Force pilot. Are you we'll thinking of Back to the Future? Nope, this definitely happens. We'll get there, don't worry. But oh, is it, the, like, is it the one with the cat? No. Okay. Is it the episode? Oh, well, that's amazing and I really wish they made that show. We'll is talk the, more about that later. Is it the episode of Futurama where nope. Fry turns out to be his own grandfather? Nope, this is definitely a Star Trek episode. We'll get there, don't worry. But yeah, it's it's weird. It's completely out of nowhere. It's like, I, I just got this really cool idea about blowing up the engines and going back in time. But Bob, it doesn't belong in this episode. But I wrote it already. Oh, fine. We still have a minute and a half to fill. 
Yeah, I don't even we know. ran out of actual episode. Yeah, yeah. So we're just oh no, we fixed it too early. Well, it so. was. I mean, it's it's also a it's a symptom of episodic television. Where it's like, well, we fixed that problem. Let's move on. It was like, there, yeah. It was just, it was a, it was a Deus Ex Machina to fix the problem. There was, Except no, it was there already was no, the problem was fixed. The god, they like the the god had been out of the box. Oh, this is true. And then wait, what's inside this box? It's another box. <laughs> and inside that box is time travel <laughs> to solve a problem we didn't have. So. It has been rumored, although never proven, that this was supposed to be part of a two-parter episode. Yeah. Ooh. Which I think would have been where the time travel came into yeah. play. Because I sort of, it was like, it feels like a plan never carried through. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it, 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 the detail they put into this completely random time travel thing. Nonsensically. Feels, yeah. But, like, this is a lot of effort for something that never, ever ever goes anywhere. At least not from here. It's sort of... Oh. Or maybe it did and then they retconned it out of existence. <gasps> they time traveled back in time and took to it out. erase the episode that mm. came after this. Wow. So, Corinne, I get why you don't like this episode. Thank you! I completely understand it. I just disagree. Oh, I ever 100% disagree. hate it. I love it. Because yeah. it's... Um, it's Mm-hmm. It's just so much fun. I will I will give you the candy episode that's just mm-hmm. sweet and funny and stupid and has no bearing on anything. Except it doesn't even internally make sense. <laughs> like, fine. I don't mind a stupid medical mystery that can be solved by stupid medicine. Stupid space medicine magic. Fine. Lots of episodes of Stargate are exactly like that. Yep. But then it has to be the journey about, okay, how do, how do we figure out what the disease is? How do we figure out how to solve the disease? How is it transmitted? Which they solve all those questions. Essentially pretty simple. And oh. background. Oh. And off screen. And off screen. Oh, well, it's through perspiration. But that is not true. I think that it was patent. a mystery episode. It was a nothing. It should have been. Because I get what they're trying to do. I get within like the tropes of this kind of storytelling. Fine. You should have had the mystery of, okay, what's going on? But they knew immediately. Oh, crap. We brought someone back from the planet. Okay. How is it transmitted? Oh, definitely through perspiration. Okay. Well, how do we solve it? I ran some tests, said bones, and I fixed the thing. <laughs> what was the thing? Oh. Space, space madness. Alcohol. Well, I think the madness. problem with this one, I don't think it's a problem at all. I think it makes perfect sense. <laughs> In the sense that Ari, people it's an touch episode. each other and they don't get the disease. Like some people have resistance to diseases that other people don't have. No one has the resistance to the disease because all that. the people who touch it get it. Are just you not a at space that point. doctor? Yes, I am. You I have a speech a PSD. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think that this would have been a mystery episode, except it's a mystery episode where they can't use their usual problem-solving tools because everybody is space drunk. I would have given that to you if that had been the episode. I think it, but they had it. And okay, and. They do fix, I think they fix all this stuff in the Next Generation episode because you actually have Beverly, like, sick, trying to solve this and, like, feeling up Picard at the same time. (laughs) I can't wait to see what you think of that one in comparison to this one. I'm sure it will make more sense because it's transmitted by perspiration. (laughs) And makeouts. We also had a much stricter uh, requirement of of adherence to storytelling formats by the time we get around to the Next Gen episode. Like I said, they put, like, a Heinlein novel into a blender... And on high. So, best performance of the episode, Kim. Oh, Leonard Nimoy. 
Mm. Leonard Nimoy and his beautiful Vulcan breakdown. I love that. That was probably my favorite moment of the whole episode. I mean, aside from the greatest moment in Trek history, which is George Takei dancing around delightfully in his shirt, like shirt off with the sword. But the best moment of the episode in terms of like acting, Leonard Nimoy. And he's apparently improved beautifulness. I definitely think Leonard Nimoy was doing like 90, well, basically all the role building in this episode was being done by Leonard Nimoy, and that was amazing. Because basically Leonard Nimoy invented Vulcans. Like they said, they have pointy ears, and go. And almost every fundamental, important Vulcan thing, Leonard Nimoy came up with. Or just decided to go ahead and do, because no one was going to tell him no. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I think I do have to split it with uh, Uhura just for that one comment. Mm. It's a good comment. I am also going to have to give, like, 90% of the props to Nimoy. Uh, really enjoyed watching Kirk slap the hell out of Spock uh, <laughs> deeply. Mm-hmm. But I have to give 10% for the guy who played Riley because one more time! <laughs> he was having such a good time. That is, like, burned into my brain! I'll take you oh. home again, Kathleen. <laughs> uh, so, best of the life lessons that we can take away from this. Um, <clears throat> when you're on a mysterious planet where everybody has died, keep your hazmat suit on and don't touch your face. I, I, I Follow think... biohazard protocols? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we can take away anything else from that episode. Yeah, I'm going to have to say, yeah. Either wear your hazmat suit and use it properly, or just go down naked. Follow biohazard protocols. Follow biohazard protocols. <laughs> Who yeah. trained you? Who did train you? Okay, anyone else notice how all over the map Kirk was in this episode? Oh, yeah. He, was... he made no sense. Oh, no sense at all. No. He was exactly whatever he needed to be in the exact moment that it was happening. And it was bananas. It was very bananas. I didn't really notice that in the first half of the episode. Oh, yeah. Because until about, I think, a little over a third of the way through, Kirk is still like, okay, well, we have a problem, but we also were supposed to watch this planet break up, but, oh, but we're space drunk. Oh, but we're supposed to watch this planet break up. He wasn't space drunk until much, no. much later. Maybe blinkered? It's really hard to tell. No, because there is a sound effect that lets us know when they have the space. Oh, yeah, space. yeah. Wait, wait. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else we can say after that. <laughs> Kim, one more time. <laughs> so that has been the not-so-much-the-neutral zone. Um, farewell. Stay away from the space. Remember, kids, follow biohazard protocols. <laughs> Juice. <laughs> drunk. Man... Was it the water that turned into alcohol? Water became, yeah. No, water not became alcohol. A, water became a complex string of molecules. That was the explanation. That was the whole explanation. Hand wave. Yeah. Nonsense! <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Ugh.